Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, all about the Arizona Cardinals and the NFL, featuring insider and outsider perspectives. Enjoy the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Now here are your hosts, Jess Root and Seth Cox. Hello, Arizona Cardinals fans, and welcome to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red podcast. This is episode 421, the second show of our week. I'm your host, Jess Root, from Cardswire.com, the USA Today NFL Wire site, covering the Arizona Cardinals. And with me is Seth Cox, RevengeOfTheBirds.com, uh, site editor there, the SB Nation Arizona Cardinals site, and one of the hosts of the NFL Draft, the original Draft Breakdown podcast. Seth, it's show number two of the week. We, we went into, you know extra long episode last time we closed in on I think it was an hour 40 breaking down everything from the draft and now we're get to we get to pull back a little bit and we're starting to get to the the nicer stuff of the offseason lighter things there's going to be oh we're going to have a schedule re- release a week from tonight um, um maybe I don't have to see maybe maybe we'll have an immediate reaction show because we should know the schedule that night and so we can kind of break things down from there but yeah you know what what's been your what's been your favorite quiet storyline since the draft yeah i think a lot of it for me has been that uh we saw monty kind of hold his cards um and what i mean by that is you know whether this is 100% accurate or not I, you know I, I we're not we'll never ever know but the word on the street was that the cardinals were going to ask for a second round pick and a player for DeAndre Hopkins and nobody wanted that and or wanted to pay that and what did monty do he he held on to him let's start with that then so let's start that's one of the topics we want to talk about in the show is to discuss the the deandre hopkins non-trade let's start with that i will say this didn't it feel the the feeling we all had during the offseason is that trading hopkins was a was a priority wasn't it And, and it wasn't necessarily because they want to get rid of hopkins but rather it was about clearing it wasn't about and it wasn't even about clearing the cap space this year it's so that the clear was clearing all the cap space of his contract next year didn't it, for me it felt like that was kind of an offseason priority to me like they wanted to do this to create greater flexibility for 2024 yeah and and but one of the things that we've seen and we saw it in the NFL draft was that Unless it benefits the Arizona Cardinals, 
they're not going to do th- business just to do business. And I don't know if it's going to work. Obviously, we've got, you know, a little over two months until training camp starts. We've got four four months and a week until the NFL season kicks off. But it is a ballsy, brash approach by Monty to say, this is what we will take for what is still a you know top 10, 12 receiver in the NFL. If you can't meet the asking price, don't call. And, and you know, it felt like a priority. It felt like it was going to happen. And then you have, you know, the people that want to be, um, I don't want to say insiders, but they want to they want to try to project the future, right? So they're like, oh, he's going to have to go for like a fifth rounder. And I'm like, the Cardinals aren't going to do that. Or, like, or, or the idea that they're going to have to pay some of the salary. I'm like, that made no sense at all. I'm like, at least if they're going to trade him, they will want the cap relief. And as it is, they'd only get eight, $8 million roughly of cap relief. So if any, every million that they add, like that they kick in, is just making it less attractive to do it. Now, and right. to be fair, at no point, at no point did DeAndre say he wanted out. Although, through our back channels of people who now these aren't these aren't like reportable things, but behind the scenes, Hopkins did want out, and it wasn't. And more than anything, it's because. It was a lot of the uncertainty moving forward. He wanted to win. He's at that point of his career. He wants to win and build, rebuild his legacy and while doing so, do so on a winning team. So he wanted to leave, but he never made like it was never like I you trade me. It wasn't a trade right. request like Buddha did. Um it wasn't it, anything. It was just quietly, so you know, he wants to win. He doesn't want to really be part of a rebuild. Of, of any sort and so but it but even even when the draft happened it's, it, the the talk of reports so it was reported by more than one person or maybe it was one person multiple times that what they were asking basically yeah you said it they wanted a premium day two pick basically second rounder plus something which is basically what the cardinals paid for paid for him back in 2020 uh we, when we broke down that that trade that also included david johnson the way I liked to look at that deal is that it was two separate deals that they combined because it was the Cardinals um, gave up David Johnson, a second round pick in 2020, and then a fourth round pick in 2021 for Hopkins and a 2020 fourth round pick. And I liked to look at it as, okay, they traded David Johnson for a fourth round pick and they traded a second this year and a fourth next year for DeAndre. Which is essentially what they wanted. They wanted a second rounder plus something, so either a player of value or or another draft pick of, of some sort of worth. And the reports that came out is one that the money was a sticking point for other teams. They wanted they wanted the salary down. They wanted the Cardinals to kick in money or they're gonna have to lower their salary. And and we all, even with with within our circle of, of friends and, and writers and analysts in our group chat, we seem to think that they would end up, you know, 
they end up with settling for like a third round pick and that's it. And we kind of we all sort of felt that way. Apparently, that was never actually the plan. It was it, it from what it looks like now. My perspective from this is that all right, Hopkins is something that is a valuable asset. We can keep him. Or if we do trade him, he's worth this much. We will move on from him if we get this much. And from everyone nationally and locally, it was, oh, they got to dump Hopkins. Cardinals have cap space. They didn't need the cap state base uh, from, from Hopkins' deal. It was, hey, let's clear this money for next year so that we have greater flexibility to do what Monty wants with the roster and not be tied down by, you know, time stuff. But actually what it was, instead of we need to get rid of him, it's like, all right, we will get rid of him. We'll trade if this, if not, no, we'll keep him. And doesn't this feel like now, because all of the projections, a lot of the projections for this year, not only were they factoring in the fact that Kyler Murray is going to start the season hurt, uh, this and that, but it was also banking on the fact that DeAndre Hopkins was going to be traded. Doesn't keeping him change like ever so slightly the expected outcome for the 2023 season now? Yeah, and you know, it's one of those situations where you feel like that Kyler has has let them know, like, guys, I'll be ready. Like, I'll be back. You and I talked about the other day. You have, if he's not available or or ready by October, then it's it's a problem, right? Yeah. But if he is available, then it's it's going to be one of those situations where you're probably going to get, you know, 13 or 14 games out of him. And, and that could be a huge, you yeah, know, it's again, I never understood some of the things that were come out. Cause there was the report that he might miss as much as half the season that he's going to take it easy. That wasn't from Kyler's camp. You, you, you found that like that wasn't Kyler's camp. Kyle Odegaard's like, that wasn't Kyler's camp saying that he was going to, he was going to wait till he was a hundred percent. No, he's going to work his ass off to get back as fast to be back a hundred percent as fast as possible. And wasn't going to, this was the organization kind of slow burning it. And it made it made him sound like, Oh, he's got his money. It, it once again, it cast a terrible light on Kyler when all he's been doing has been grinding the crap out of his rehab, trying to to get. Now he he's not going to be stupid about it, but he's pushing to come back and play. He's not trying to wait till midseason. I think if 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 it were up to him and his body, if his if his body were to respond the way he wants it to, he'd be ready for the start of season. Right, and I think that's what his goal is still too. So we'll see how it works out. But you know, it just becomes fun to look at the people because it's becoming obvious that a lot of these uh, these reports and these things were coming out of the old management team, and right. th- these were the guys putting the bad Kyler vibes out there, and. 
unfortunately a lot of fans ate them up as like you know the uh god's honest truth and the only thing that you can think about him and i don't know how it works out in the end but i'm hopeful now that you know he's being a little more active on social media which again the fact that he wasn't being a problem is such a silly thing but we do live in that age right um and you know that he's here more is going to be a positive moving forward for for him and and the organization and that we'll see this you know kind of work out as as something but you know at the end of the day this is a better team with DeAndre Hopkins on it. Right. And, and that again, receiving core actually, like before when you take Hopkins off and you're going Hollywood, um, Rondell Moore, Zach Pascal, Greg Dorch, you're like, eh? But now yeah. you've got, like, th- that. this is the problem is that that last year it was the same trio and we literally not didn't have, we did not have a single game with all three of those players. But, but now, now you've got a very health, like, healthy in terms of talent a talent rich room of hopkins hollywood dorch more then you add in zach pascal then you add in michael wilson um it's it's a it's a room where where you're uk okay and it it makes it it's also it's also a much more uh and you said very never healthy yeah but it's much more diverse talent room than what we saw last year and and that's, you know, again, a lot of it was just injury and just it didn't work out. But having everybody in that room, if everybody comes out healthy and ready to go, like this is a this is a group and a room that can be one of the best in the NFL. And, you know, the Cardinals putting an emphasis on, a, you know, addressing and and hopefully upgrading the offensive line. And we say hopefully because, let's be honest, we don't know what's going to happen. We, we're hopeful. We're incredibly hopeful that um, Paris Johnson Jr. is a really good player. Uh, but, but, e- but even good players, off like let's look back at um, the Raiders' Colton Miller that first year. He was absolutely atrocious. Right. And so you just have to look at it and say, okay, what is this – you know, what is this team? What do they have? And and I think you'll be excited, you know, impressed if you see this team come out healthy and, and ready to go. Coming to next on the Rise Up Zero podcast, especially of Cardinals Talk on the web, let's move on to talk about another another kind of bit of storyline coming on. That's Isaiah Simmons and his fifth year option. That's coming to next on Rise Up Zero Red. We're back on the Rise of Seward podcast, Spencer Cardinals talk on the web. The Cardinals chose to decline, or rather to not exercise, Isaiah Simmons' fifth-year uh, option from his being a first-round pick. There's there's the option to pick up a fifth year, which can be worth X amount of dollars depending on certain achievements. He met the playing time but didn't have the accolades, and so it would have paid him next year $12.7 million. And... If we look at look at the performance, it's on the surface, it's a mild surprise because statistically, especially the last two seasons, Simmons' production looks good. 
Yeah, we, it's, we, it's we know, we know improved. that it's not a hundred per like there are still things he needs to do, but if you look at the, the, you look at the balance of, of, of tackles and sacks and pressures and, and passes defensed, tackles for loss, interceptions, they, he fills the stat sheet there, and, and doing so from such a number of positions, you'd think that you would exercise that. But the new coaching staff views that like that linebacker position a little bit differently. Yeah, they view it properly, and and I don't mean to you know this isn't a let's back on Steve Kime episode, so we'll stay out of that. But like we've talked about it for years. You just tweeted about it again. Something that you know I've said on the show a number of times. The amount of investment they had made in the off-ball linebacker position. Let's was... let's go let's review that for a second. So since 2013, they used three first-round picks, a second-round pick, and then a $36 million free agent contract for the inside linebacker position. Uh it started with Dale Buchanan. Now granted when he was drafted, he was a safety and I don't think they intended on playing him at linebacker. It just pl- it just played out that way. But that's it. So you had Dale Buchanan you had Hassan Reddick. You had, oh, wait, wait, four first-round draft picks. Four first-round picks. I'm sorry. I can't remember if I got that right on the tweet or not, but it's four yeah. first-round picks, a second-round pick. Oh, so you had, in 2013, Kevin Minter in the second round. You had Dayon Buchanan in 2014 in the first round. You had 2017, first-round Hassan Reddick. You had uh, 2020, first-round Isaiah Sims. 2021, first-round Zayvon Collins. And then you add on top of that 2019, the four-year, $36 million contract uh, that they gave Jordan Hicks. That's a that's that's a lot. And doesn't it, isn't it really all about chasing Daryl Washington? And Carlos yeah, Dansby, just, right? What is it? It was chasing Dansby in Washington. Yeah, I was just chasing the ghost of those guys, and it's unfortunate that he invested so much time, energy, and 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 capital. And this is going to come off a way I don't mean it to, but in a position that's not that important, like it's it's a key position to to good defenses. But you know, you look at the all pro linebackers the last couple seasons and outside of Roquan Smith, who was a linebacker in college was a, you know, true inside backer in college. You don't have guys uh, that are first round picks. Like it's just, it's just not a position that you invest that way in and and yet every off season it seemed like they were once again chasing that ghost to try and and find you know their guy and find the guy and find you know and so people people love the picks but I mean, look at the look at the middle linebackers. Fred Warner, you know, obviously very talented player, drafted in the third round out of out of BYU, right? Um, you, you know, you, you look at uh, you look at like I said, Roquan Smith, and then you go to the other guys, Alex Highsmith, 
right? Um, he was a, a third round pick out of Charlotte. Uh, uh, you know, Matt Milano was a, was a uh, fifth round pick out of Boston college. Like the guys, the position isn't a premium position. You don't have Bobby to Wagner second round pick right. 2012 TJ Edwards. I think he was undrafted, right? Uh, I think he was a fourth or a fifth. It, yeah. Undrafted for some reason. I, I, I remember, I remember seeing something. I'm looking nope. at it right now. Yep. Undrafted. Like the things you can do at linebacker is incredible. Uh, you know, Devondre Campbell fourth round pick, right? Like Demario Davis third round pick. Like it's not. It's just not a position that you invest premium picks in because there are a plethora of them. There are guys all over the place that that can do the job. Um, you know, when we talk about like left tackle and people will be like, well, you know, sometimes left tackles, you know, get drafted late. Yeah. Yeah, they do. You're exactly right. But most of them get drafted in the first round. I mean, look at the all pros. And we talked about this with Paris Johnson, right? Lane Johnson, first round pick Trent Williams, first round pick Laramie Tunsil, first round pick the, the guy that is the outlier in that group is Teron Armstead, who was a third round pick, but he was coming from Arkansas Pine Bluff. Um, you know, so like those tackle positions, those are first round picks. Those the rusher, same type of thing. Guys getting after the quarterback. Uh, you know, you've got Brian Burns, uh, Quinnen Williams. I think Dexter Lawrence was a first round pick, was he not? Yeah, first round he, pick. He was Dexter Lawrence, Aaron yeah. Donald, Nick Bosa. Yeah, Micah Parsons. Those you know those Miles guys. Garrett, the guy, guys that you know top two, three, four, five picks in the in the draft, and they're. You're, you're, you do get outliers like Chandler Jones was a mid to late first round pick, but like especially the the dynamic edge guys, it's not very often right. that the ones that have long productive careers are usually first. Right, the the multi time pro. Like bowlers, you, right? you can like, have like the one one or two year wonders, and you get out of that, but that are that are later on. But guys that are elite pass rushers. They're, you right. get them. You yeah. go get them, right? And so, and so you look at the the linebacker position. It just the investments never made sense. And then you look at what they're paid, right? And and so that's the biggest thing. And and because he was a top ten pick, and I don't know all the language. If you know it, go ahead. But because he was a top ten pick, he gets you know X amount of of the highest salaries based on that and so when you look at it from that position or or that whole situation and it's tough because you know as a linebacker it's it's based on obviously outside it's based on outside and inside so it's not just based on um you know, one guy, and that's what the problem becomes. And so, you know, you look at it. Well, right, because line- some of the out- some linebackers are edge guys, <laughs> depending right. on the scheme. Right, and so you look at it. So, like the the top guys, Roquan Smith, obviously, you know, the top guy. Um, Shaq Leonard, who was a second early second round pick, obviously, he's had some health issues lately. Um, you know, he's a. Uh, Former, formerly known as Darius Leonard, if you guys 
haven't followed along with his career. He, he changed his name. Uh, Fred Warner, we just talked about. Uh, Tremaine Edmonds, C.J. Mosley, uh, Deion Jones is like one of the outliers there, right? You, you mentioned it. De- Devondre Campbell, Demario Davis, Devin White. Um, those are – oh, sorry. Actually, I went past what he would – yeah, so he would be the seventh highest paid ins- inside linebacker of the NFL. I'm sorry. Like, even if he plays well next year, he's not going to be worth that. Like, right. he's he's got to play at an, literally at an all-pro level to be worth that. And the position and, – and people – I see people say all the time, well, you paid Kyler, and Kyler's never been an all-pro. Yeah, th- those are two different positions. Finding a quarterback and finding an, in, an off-ball linebacker are two completely different things. So – you also have to remember that only one quarterback makes the all-pro team, or two if you consider second-team all-pro. Three linebackers make the all-pro team every year. So, like, you've got to find a way to understand what what is going on. And so, you know, I just never agreed with paying him. Uh, it just didn't make sense. And, and so you just kind of look at it, you know, these guys are – are well paid it's it's insane to me to think that he's worth more than a, a matt milano or a right uh, you know a, and ultimately a, he has i guess when they when they drafted that they viewed him potentially being that sort of like elite linebacker do it all type guy and he's been able to do it all just not at the elite level because he does there there are some linebacker things he struggles at he's not in great in run fits he is great he's good in coverage he can move side to side he is a playmaker absolutely he makes he he's a wonderful run and chase linebacker and that's what his strengths are like he is a great playmaker um but like you know, there's like in 2021 he made plays but also gave up a lot of plays last year and playing mostly as a slot corner Let's be honest. He like outside of week one, where there was a lot going on wrong, and including him, who was he was unprepared for whatever, playing wrong leverage. After week one, we didn't see Isaiah Simmons being a problem in coverage. Yeah, we didn't see the blown assignments as much, and that's so. You and I talked about this draft day. We talked about it before his first season we talked about it after his first season where he's barely on the field and and you know one of the disservices that clemson did to him was what made him so um valuable in the draft to to teams and it's it was that swiss army knife ability but what people struggle with or don't understand about that is the nfl game is a lot harder like a lot harder so mastering a position is nearly impossible mastering multiple positions is basically impossible like there are very few guys buddha baker tyron matthew and again we're getting back into multi-time all pros you know troy palomalu got ed reed uh bob sanders like those guys could play all over the field Isaiah Simmons is a very athletic player. He's a very good player. 
he is not even in the same stratosphere as those guys. And, and that's the problem is you took a guy and then you said, well, we want you to learn how to play linebacker. Well, it's going to be a tough adjustment because he had never played linebacker. I mean, he had lined up at linebacker, but he wasn't an inside linebacker. It was like that he, short... he didn't have the, there were most of the time, like run fits were, were not a thing he had to worry about. Right. It was that short white guy that I can't remember his name. Um, that was the linebacker for Clemson. Yes. I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. Yeah. The like roughneck. I, I can't even remember his name, but I know I can picture him. And, and so that's the thing is like, so he got to Arizona. He was a disappointment near one because quite frankly, he was going to be, I mean, why would he be better than that when he had never played as a true off all linebacker down to down. Um, and then, so you go from that to, you know, then he was like, Oh, we are going to use him to his strength. We're going to play him. All Skalski, over wasn't it? Yeah. James Skalski. Yeah. yeah. We're both looking it up. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, yeah, I can I, picture him. I was like, what was his name? Yeah. And, and so then you get, you know, so you got, so then you, you get him here. And so the first year is rough and it was rough. I mean, there's nothing wrong with admitting it was a, it was not a, a pretty first year, but it was like, okay, you know, it's year one. He's never really played the position. Let's see. And then that's when they started doing him a disservice instead of just being like, Hey, you're a linebacker, like learn how to play linebacker. And then we will start to adjust and move you around. It became all right you've played linebacker for a year. You weren't good at it. That's okay. What we're going to do now is move you around. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) Like, why not just make sure that he can play linebacker first and then start to sprinkle in the moving around. Like when you're, when you don't know how to do one thing, you know, what is it? uh, Jack of all trades, master of nothing. That was, that's Isaiah Simmons to a T. Like (laughs) he's, he can do anything, but like, you're never, you're never like, oh my gosh, this guy, I, I want him to be this player, uh, you know? And, and so it, it's fine. And you have a serviceable player. You have a guy that deserves snaps, but you don't have a guy that you're just like, Hey, put him on the field and leave him there. And that's, that's where the uh, issue comes into play, right? Like he just needs, he just needs to become a guy that can do something extremely well and continue to grow off of that as opposed to being a guy that does a little bit of everything and it's good but it's not it's not to the level worthy of the contract he by the way not that he's asking for but what would be required of the yes. cardinals to pay him yeah um ultimately it feels like and it sounds like Gannon and Nick Rollis now kind of have a plan for him. Doesn't it feel like? Because we, we felt like going into the offseason that before the free agency happened that they that he would, if we were looking at Philadelphia's defense, he would fit perfectly as ideally even a better version of Kaiser White, right? Yeah. And then when they signed, we thought, okay, they'll probably sign TJ Edwards um, or something. and But then they signed Kaiser White. But it doesn't I, – I haven't seen it yet, but I think White is going to be their middle linebacker. It's going to be their, their middle guy in that I think the role that they will have Simmons is like Kaiser had in Philly. 
Um, I think that that's that's my guess right now. Yeah, it'll be interesting just to see how it kind of plays out because, you know, get if they're going to make it, and that's the other thing people have to understand. And again, this is not a shot at Simmons or not a shot at Kime either. But the reality is that these guys have no connection or, or, you know, they're not, they're not, um, you know, Simmons was not their guy. Yeah. To Simmons. And so in the end, it just becomes this situation where you go, Oh, is this, you know, we'll see how it works out. Right. And so we'll see, man. I, I, I hope for his sake, the Cardinals sake that it works out. I hope that they do a good job with him and, and, and he's able to become a, you know, he's able to become a guy that can be trusted and counted on um, defensively. Coming up next on the Rise of Sea Red podcast, Mr. Cardinals Talk on the Web. One minor, one, one, it's a big topic, but nothing really happened. It's Buda Baker. He also was not traded. That's coming up next on Rise of Sea Red. We're back on the Rise of Sea Red podcast, Mr. Cardinals Talk on the Web. It was no surprise, but Buda did request a trade because he wanted a new contract and they wouldn't give him a new contract. Um, but it didn't happen. So he didn't trade it. I wasn't surprised at all. I never expected him to get traded because I felt that this trade request was just like the Chandler Jones and Patrick Peterson trade requests that it was, it was trying to create leverage that he really didn't have. And so we won't see him like we won't see him on the field for any involuntary, involuntary work this off season. And quite frankly, you know, if he doesn't have guaranteed money, I'm not going to complain about it. Right. I mean, you would like him to be there for the new regime and whatnot. And and I believe he'll, he is, from what I understand, his, and Gannon downplayed it. They said there were guys in the building who weren't on the field. Maybe Boot is in the building, but maybe not. We know but he's I, he's working. Like, he might just be there for classroom work. And he's like, I'm not going to do any of the physical stuff. But Isaiah was there too, and not correct. And I that makes sense too, because it was there was some uncertainty about his option, and so he didn't want. I, I would guess that that makes sense as well. Uh, he was yeah. There. Again, you know, something we talk about all the time. We're pro player in a lot of ways, and and this is one of them. Like, if you are, are you know, if you're in a contract dispute, as much as we'd love to see you on the field with with the team. Um, it's one of those situations that it does unfortunately make sense and is for the best of the player to make sure that they, uh, you know, take care of themselves and take care of their financial aspects of things. Um, you know, or if they do get hurt, it's in the season where they're kind of guaranteed that money after X amount of games and things like that. So, you know, it, it sucks as a fan. It sucks as, guys that cover the team but as just you know unbiased observers it it does make sense to us yeah totally it it makes sense um as we look at the two situations um do you see even next offseason a trade for hopkins or buddha um you know I could still see them moving Hopkins this year before the trade deadline if if you know either a Kyler's not back or b that they're really not gelling or something like that. 
I would be surprised if they moved on from Buddha, unless it just becomes such a toxic environment that they can't work with him. Right. Because like, if they got to next offseason, they probably would redo his deal. Yeah. I would he's be still playing at a high level. I wouldn't be shocked if they did something mid-season, you know, like they're like, hey, okay, let's do it now. And- one one thing I know that he wanted, so uh, I do know that he asked for an extension, didn't get it, but he he also would have been okay. He would have been content at minimum had he just been given guarantees this year. Yeah, and I mean, again, and this is the crappy part of the business that you know jess and i are very aware of but also um you know whatever but it's it's one of those situations where he you know he needs he needs to feel the guarantee because he's at the end of it and and here's the other thing and this is you know the dirty little secret that nobody talks about this is just par for the course for his agent uh david mulligata this is what he does. Oh, that with, that that I guess that makes sense because a lot of the things that that he was that I heard he was saying are agent talk because like right. his agent got in his ear and said, "Hey, what if you get hurt? They, they they could do you dirty." I'm like, that would never happen. So like, there's a couple of things. Buddha really doesn't have anything to worry about. Like, I will say this about how how NFL contracts work. Even though he doesn't have any guaranteed money, the fear of getting hurt during off season work. There's he really doesn't have any fear of being being cut because one you cannot uh, the an, an NFL team cannot just cut an injured player unless they are waived injured, right? And then in which and case if they if they clear settlement. waivers if they clear waivers they revert to injured reserve and there's there can be an injury settlement but there's no guarantee of an injury no, settlement. So Buddha, like if he if he got injured enough in the offseason now, it's a different story if he if he's getting injured off site on his own workouts. Then right, they're, then they're not protected. Then they're not protected. Right. So that's that's why it's beneficial for them to show up for the voluntary things is that if they get hurt, cut, the team can't cut them. No, the team cannot cut it, an injured player even in the offseason. Now what some play like if it's a minor injury, what you'll see sometimes is them uh on lesser players is the okay, let's hold them out. We'll 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 wait till he's healthy. Wait till he's healthy. Okay, you're healthy. Okay, you're cut. Yeah. And but th- that's the thing, they wouldn't do that to Buddha. Buddha's in a situation that wouldn't happen to him. And so some of the things that he's being told, like his agents telling him, are would never apply to him. They wouldn't ever apply to him because the team would not do dir- do him that dirty because of who he is and how important he is to that defense. So if he were hurt in the off season, he they wouldn't nurse him to health only to cut him while healthy because he's too important and if you get hurt and like that's the thing about the offseason that that's it's important for these players to understand is that you, you there is like you actually in some ways are more at risk at doing workouts on your own unless you're super careful because if you get injured off-site the car the team does not have to have to honor that contract that you, they put you on NFI. It's a non-football injury because you weren't doing that. And on an NFI, they are not obligated to pay you. No, not at all. And so that's what you have to look at. And, you know, it's one of those things with, with this whole situation that I'm, again, I'm not surprised 
I expected, you know, this to go down this way. Allegedly, you know, the reports on the interwebs were that they asked for uh, three first round picks to even get the discussion started. <laughs> so, so, so they at least, all right, all right, all right, we'll, we'll do, but this, which, right. which makes sense. Like, and, and the truth is, if you look at the comps and they're, they're hard, it's hard to comp because players like that don't normally get traded. traded. No, no. But you have, you have Jamal Adams going for a pair of firsts. You have Minka Fitzpatrick going for a first and things like that. Now, granted, they were still on their first deal, but I don't think it changed. I think if you get anything less than a first, that there's you, it's not worth trading. It's not worth trading him, and so you just, okay, you're under contract, so play. And then we'll deal with this. We'll deal with things in a year. So, yeah. Right. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised at all. And the fact that they were able to and, – and, again, this, the Cardinals were able to do what they did in the draft – go in with eight picks, come out with nine players and four future picks, and to do it without having to deal Hopkins or Buddha, guess what? Or or give up any future picks. Yeah, well, that too. That, that It's just, it's incredible. It's incredible. Well, we wrap up this edition of the Rise of Seared podcast, the best of Cardinals talk on the web. Um, unless there is something pressing uh, due to end of the school year schedules, I have uh, we might not have a Tuesday show, but it sounds like what we can probably do, unless we want to get together and try and predict the schedule, you know, play around, do a, uh, try and get a, a quick show in, and then we can react to the show. So that will kind of go that maybe a, a Tuesday show, but definitely a, a Thursday show for next week. And with that, that's Seth Cox. I'm Jess Root. This is the Rise Up Zero podcast. Thanks for listening as always. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red podcast. Listen to previous episodes and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Audioboom, or many other podcast platforms so shows are delivered directly to your mobile device. Please give the show a five-star rating and always support the sponsors who support the show. We'll be back soon for the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Rise Up Red Sea, Be Red Sea Red, and of course, Rise Up Sea Red. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.